John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now this is about the death of Lazarus. And I'm going to read a piece of it, but the story goes on. Randy's going to fill in the different pieces here, but this is going to get us started, okay? John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as we open your word and read from it, God, speak the words that you have for our hearts today through our Pastor Randy. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. Happy Easter to you. It is a pleasure and an honor, as always, to open God's word and to share with you and uh, just to have this opportunity to... Uh, just share this day, even though it's in a very unique way. I'm excited about today, and I'm excited to share this day with you. Um, I got to tell you guys, uh, I've been trying very hard to kind of share with you some fun things, uh, some things that maybe bring a smile to your face, just simply because I know that there are a lot of us that are worried, or a lot of us that are, you know, just concerned about what things look like in our world today and what they will look like in the days ahead. And so I've been trying to kind of just share some of the things that I found out on the internet uh, just to make you smile. And today I'm going to do the same exact thing. Uh, and then we'll get off into the worship uh, around God's word as we continue uh, the Who Do You Think That I Am uh, series, Jesus in His Own Words. And today we're going to be talking about I Am the Resurrection and the Life, uh, a great statement of Jesus that gives us a glimpse into who He is. So I tell you what, we're going to start off with 
Just kind of what we've been through over the last couple of weeks, I have a couple of pictures uh, of tweets and uh, pictures of different people doing different things that will kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on out there and hopefully bring a smile to your face even in the midst of some difficult days. So let's go to this first slide here. Do you remember when this happened? I'm sure the White House Corona Task Force, Coronavirus Task Force, recommends that we avoid social gatherings of more than 10 people. And if you, by chance, look at that, you see that that group together makes about 16 people telling us that we don't need to be gathering in groups of more than 10 people. So, you know, good job, government. Way to exempt yourself as you always seem to here in the United States. All right, so let's go to this next slide. This is an example of what our life looked like before the shelter in place and the stay at home order that we got. And you guys probably recognize that. But this is what it looks like now after the stay at home order. Uh, You know, just things have changed, but we don't want to be staying at home quite as much. All right, let's check out this next one here. Uh, Maybe you can identify. It's even gotten into where it's changed the way that we work. You can see day one working from home, working from home day 21, and see how dramatically different those are. Maybe I can get an amen on that. That's probably you. I I won't even talk about how many of you look good from here up, but from here down, it's purely Saturday morning, right? Can I get an amen? All right, so let's check out this next one here. These are the ways that you're planning for the weekend, where you're going to take your nap, what position you're going to be taking your nap in. That's about as big a decision as a lot of people have these days. Your plans for this weekend have been affected by the coronavirus as well. And then check this out. This is a menu that Shelly put up on our refrigerator uh, at the beginning of the coronavirus and kind of as we've gone forward. Sunday, after the coronavirus hit, it was steaks. Monday, it was burgers. Tuesday, spaghetti. Wednesday, ramen. Thursday, cream corn. Friday, roadkill squirrels. And then dried grass and clover on Saturday. I'm losing weight because, you know, there's nothing to eat. So maybe you can identify with that. Of course, that's a joke, but thought you might get a kick out of that. And then check this out. Throwback Thursday. When you used to be able to see toilet paper in multiple areas and, you know, even have a selection. Right now, you just want one roll. Just one roll is all that you need, right? So definitely throwback Thursday and then kind of coming to the end of these things that make you smile. I love this because my sister is a nurse and uh, my folks are a little older and this definitely touches them. She says, in an unsettling reversal of my teenage years, I'm now yelling at my parents for going out. And I promise you, my, my oldest sister is taking this on herself to yell at my parents every time they go outside. So it's definitely made a difference in the way that we live our lives. So I hope you're doing good in this coronavirus. I know that it's one of these things that kind of can get in your head if you're not very careful. And you can be very, very fearful of the things that are going on in our world. But the truth of the matter is, is that none of this that has happened has surprised God. He's not looking around going, oh, well, now what? What do we do? God is still in control. God is still on the throne. And no matter what the coronavirus has in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, and it seems like things change almost hour by hour these days, I will tell you that it still matters to be connected. It still matters to be a person who is seeking God and seeking God in the middle of this will bring you peace in a way that you can't not find out there in the world. When everything in your world seems uncertain, 
I promise you that the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is a huge blessing, and he is your source of strength. So I encourage you to turn to the Lord in the midst of this. Now, I want to just mention to you very quickly, one of the things that we normally do here in our church service is we usually have a gap card for folks to fill out. It's our way, and people in our church that call, uh, feel called to prayer ministry, uh, they get these prayer requests and they share them together. There's about 20 to 25 people on that gap uh, uh, email and they get the email and you can even remain anonymous but you sign those uh, cards well now that we're not meeting we don't have cards we've put a virtual gap card on our website so even on our front page of our website you will find a virtual gap card God answers prayer and that's what it stands for people that will be standing in the gap for you as they bring God, uh, God the request that you have shared and again you can definitely be uh, anonymous in the midst of this. You can see that it says that the name is optional um, and email is optional and all of that stuff. But if you want us to contact you, we will do that. We just need to make sure that you include a, a place where we can connect with you, whether it's email or phone number. So uh, you can put in your prayer, uh, prayer request in that message box. We will send those out and people will be lifting you up in prayer. So if today... Maybe today, with it being Easter Sunday, you're here in front of the television, maybe probably uh, wouldn't have gone to a worship service. Maybe God has this just for you, and you feel like you might be alone. I want to let you know that there are people that care about you, not because they know you, but because they believe that God has called all of us to care for one another and be connected. And so you can include that virtual gap card and people will be praying for your need and we'll watch and see how God works. So I encourage you, especially if you're feeling down, depressed, lonely, feeling like things are stacked against you, you may even know someone, as many of us do, who have dealt with the coronavirus or even someone who has passed and you want to lift up their family in prayer. There's all of that that's going on in the world, but there is another world that affects and touches that one. Uh, this one, excuse me, and that one is the one that we reach through prayer. And so I encourage you to be a part of standing in the gap for one another as well as remembering that God answers prayer. So check that out. I also want to just encourage you and invite you. I believe that Eric had already mentioned that once before, but I encourage you. We've been able to connect via Zoom classes, and that's happening on Wednesday nights. Now, there are some uh, difficulties that some of the things that have been happening with Zoom hasn't happened for us, but here in the middle of this uh, live stream, I want to just tell you, make sure that we have your EHC Connect card because that's where we're sending out the code. We want to make sure that we don't put that out in writing because that's where the people who are doing uh, things on Zoom that they shouldn't be doing and, you know, kind of trying to hijack those uh, types of Zoom rooms and stuff. So we're getting you through the EHC Connect card, and I'd love to make sure and stay connected with you. So please fill that out and join us on Wednesday. You can do that with the video or without the video, doesn't matter. We encourage you to be a part of it, and you can learn some things. You can see some faces. Uh, a lot of us will be using our video chat and connecting. It's really about a 45-minute class, and so don't miss out. Enjoy uh, that time together around God's Word while you're learning and you're connecting, so it'll be a a real blessing to you. I tell you what, um, just in honor of Easter Sunday and the things that are going on in our world, there is a great video. It's just a short video. I want to show it to you. It's called We Will Rise. So check it out.
What an awesome reminder that uh, God is still in control, and this day of all days is a day that brings us hope. I want to share a very funny story just before we jump into the message. Um, Karen Baldwin is our uh, our lead singer um, that was here at the front podium. If you know Karen, if you're a part of the church body, you know who she is. Uh, but if you don't know who she is, she's the, the lady that was standing here. Uh, she came in and told me a very funny story this morning. She said she has a little uh, daughter named Layla, and Layla is eight years old. So Layla, hey, just wanted to say hi. She came to her mom today, or maybe yesterday, and she said, Mom, is Easter canceled? And uh, <laughs> Karen said, what? What are you talking about? And she said, well, is Easter canceled? And she said, well, what are you talking about? She said, well, you know, we have the Easter egg hunt and we sometimes have a petting zoo at the church and, you know, animals are there or a train is there or whatever. And she said, well, honey, all of that stuff is canceled, but Easter is not canceled. And uh, I just thought that was so awesome because sometimes we put all these wonderful and fun things to celebrate and enjoy Easter with one another uh, alongside Easter. But even when those things get canceled, Easter is not canceled. That's the great news that I bring to you today, that we still have hope. We still have the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's where we're coming from today. You know that over the last few uh, weeks, we've been talking about uh, Jesus in his own words and each one of the what they call the I am statements. We're looking at seven different ones. And seven different I am statements that show us a little bit about Jesus's character and what he is to us. And we even go all the way back to um, the, uh, the Old Testament where there was something called the Tetragrammaton, which is the four-letter word that has no vowels in there. The Tetragrammaton was so holy in the Jewish mind that was never even spoken off of temple grounds. It was considered blasphemous to do that. And so you pronounce it Yahweh, which is a word that some in Christian circles still know and understand to this day, but it is something that Jesus uh, has taken and said, the I am from Exodus chapter three, the Yahweh that he spoke in Exodus chapter three is something that Jesus begins to speak and he puts on more descriptions after it. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. Last week we talked about before Abraham existed, I am. I have always been. I was there before Abraham. I was there during Abraham's time. And I have existed up until this day. And I will continue into the future. There's never been a time where I have not been. And so it is a beautiful reminder of the power and the permanence of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 11, we see a great story, one that might be very familiar to you. But in John chapter 11, we see the piece that Eric read, and I'm going to be kind of referring to different parts. Some of that will be on your screen. Some of this will be stuff that I just kind of condense and talk about in modern language and tell and retell the story. But if you know this story, you know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are friends of Jesus, and they have been friends of Jesus for a long time. He has been connected and been a part of their lives, and Lazarus falls sick. In this story that Eric read a little earlier, the part that he uh, shared with you, you see that Lazarus falls sick, and Jesus is in not a huge hurry to go and be there. 
he shows up and then he is confronted with Martha and she says to him, basically in John chapter 11, verse 17 through 20, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now that's important. We'll get there in a minute. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Mar uh, Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss. And Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the home. So it's very interesting to see this because the truth is, is that we all grieve a little differently. There is Martha out there next to the tomb with Jesus, but Mary is staying in the house. And during that time where it is just Jesus and Martha, Jesus says to Martha, I want you to know something. I want you to know that I am the resurrection and the life. It is so important that you grasp this and understand. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now we go on a little further in the story. Martha does respond, and we'll get there in a minute as well. But Jesus basically says, I want you to go and call Mary from the house and bring her out here. And so in John chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, some very interesting things are said between Jesus and Mary uh, after he has already had a conversation with Jesus and Martha. And after this, he said, she went back inside, called her sister Mary aside and said, the teacher is here. That's Jesus. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and then she went to him. So now we see that they are out kind of in the area or outside the house, close to where Lazarus has been buried. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This is the very first thing that I want to make sure that you hear and understand. Don't miss this. When Jesus hears about Lazarus' sickness, he doesn't hurry to get to where Lazarus is, even though he loves them. Not just Lazarus, but he loves Lazarus and both of his sisters. It is really important for us to grasp something here. And it's difficult for us to hear, but I bet you and I can fully understand and fully appreciate this when we look a little deeper. The word comes to Jesus and he is serving and being a blessing. He's maybe healing other people uh, of diseases. We don't know what Jesus was doing. We just know that the word arrived. But even when the word arrived, Jesus knew exactly what was happening. He was aware of what was going to happen, but he was in no hurry to get there to where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were. Now, let me ask you a question. Has God ever disappointed you? Have you ever been in a place where you thought, God's gonna pull me through, God's gonna get this, God's got this, I'm not gonna worry about it, I'm gonna just let him, I'm gonna show faith, I'm finally gonna go to the place where I let him handle this. And you knew exactly how he was gonna handle it because you just knew that was the only way. And then God disappointed you. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever been disappointed with God? Have you ever been confused about what his plan is because it doesn't make sense at all to you? You know, I, I've, I've grown up in church and uh, my parents have always been incredible 
real people of faith, real integrity. I don't think I would be standing behind this pulpit had I not been raised by two people who lived their faith 24-7, 365. It's an amazing heritage that I've been given and I don't want to ever, ever take it for granted. But you know, the thing is, is that there have been times in my life where I just knew that God was going to get on my timetable, that God was going to do what I knew was the best thing for him to do. And I just had it all figured out. I mean, just hit the pause button for a minute. Can you imagine God in heaven going, man, I, I'm really excited. I'm excited to get on Randy's timetable. I mean, he's got a great idea here. This is fantastic. I mean, can you even imagine the absurdity of it all? And yet somewhere in my heart, I get frustrated when God doesn't show up the way that I expect or on the timetable that I expect. I've been told by a close friend way back in the day when I was very young in my faith and young in the ministry, there was an old friend of mine in his early 80s at that time, something that I have shared from this pulpit with many of you and I believe it's found root in your heart. He told me, he said, Randy, I've lived a long time and here's what I've found. I've found that God's timing is seldom early, but it is never late. And uh, Brother Walt is with the Lord right now, uh, a guy that has been a blessing to me, but his words still ring and echo in my ears. I can still see the setting where he shared that truth with me. Can I tell you something? You might have been like me when I was raised in that family that I was talking about, and you might have been told you never question God. You never question God. And I would just simply say to you, I don't find that in the scriptures, to be very honest. I know that that's something that we have often said, and that people who have grown up in church have said, you don't question God. But as I look into the Psalms, as I look into this passage of scripture that I speak about today, I see that there are times where people who genuinely love Jesus and truly love God with all of their heart don't understand because their expectation and the reality don't fit together. And when that happens, I think God is big enough for your questions. You see, some of you, you have kept God at arm's length. You don't embrace Jesus because you don't think that you have the freedom to say, God, I'm mad at you. I can't believe you let that happen in my life. Here is what I have found. I have found that God is big enough for my questions. I have also found that I don't always receive answers But he is big enough to say, you know what? Hit me with your best shot. You are frustrated and angry with me. That's fine. I can handle it. And there are ways that he brings me back to himself if I am just honest with him. For some of you, you've never gone deep in the word of God. You've never gone deep with God and with Christ because you've never been honest enough with him to say, you disappointed me and I'm let down and I'm angry about it. But the truth is, is that even the greatest saints, even in the greatest saints of the Bible itself, they have found times where God did not show up like they thought he would or when they thought he would. And yet God remains God. He is still God, even when your questions hit him. And I look at John chapter 11. And as I look at that passage of scripture, I see 
the same theme keeps hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. And so you look at what Jesus and Mary had the conversation in John chapter 11. And I want us to look at that. And he says in John chapter 11, Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What is she saying? You didn't show up when I thought you would. You could have stopped this, but you chose not to. And then Mary comes out of the house and comes and meets Jesus. And what is the first thing that she says? It sounds an awful lot like the last thing that Jesus heard from Martha. Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. They're both questioning Jesus without questioning Jesus, if you'll allow me to say it like that. They're saying, Lord, I thought you were going to show up and save Lazarus. Did you hear how they described him? They said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Lord, you're out there healing other people, but what about the one that is close to your own heart, Lazarus, whom you love? He's sick. Can you come and heal him? It's incredible. If you look a little further in the passage of scripture in John chapter 11, you go down and you don't just hear what Martha says. You don't just hear what Mary says, but you also hear what their friends are saying. The friends that are there to kind of weep and wail and mourn and grieve with them and hold their hand as they go through the grieving process. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? In other words, Martha says it, Mary says it, the friends say it, Jesus would have been here, Lazarus would be alive today. But then you look a little further and we go even deeper into something that we probably have already missed. It's already been mentioned once. Verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there in that place for four days. Now, this is now the second time that that four-day number has been mentioned. And I want to make sure that you and I catch this. This is something for us to learn. And so we look at this something to learn, and it is just this, that usually in the, the Jewish thought, if there was an idea uh, of someone who passed or died, they believed that the spirit hovered and stayed in the area, the close vicinity, and occasionally would come back to the body that it had left for three days. But then, by the fourth day, the spirit had already gone on into the bosom of Abraham or whatever. That's the belief of the Jewish system and the people that are there. And so, Two different times, the Bible reminds us that Jesus shows up on the fourth day. He's there at the fourth day. And if you could kind of put yourself in Mary and Martha's sandals, you might almost think it's just like this. Jesus, if you would have been here even just a day ago, the spirit would have been close enough for you to call it back. If somebody could have intervened, it could have been you. But now it's four days and no hope remains. It's all past and it's all gone. There is no hope left. I know every time I preach an Easter message, I'm reminded that there are people that are hearing it where if you were honest with yourself, you would say, in my marriage, in my spiritual life, in this relationship or that relationship, or whatever it might be, there is no hope left. 
I would encourage you to listen closely to this passage of scripture because I believe that Jesus did not show up accidentally on the fourth day and go, oh, what? oh, the fourth day? Man, I'm really upset if I could have just been here a little earlier. He shows up when every bit of hope has already left the room. That's when Jesus comes walking in. And in this story, in this declaration of saying, I am the resurrection and the life, He says there is still hope to be had because I am here. So just understand how important this is. Now, I want to take a little detour, and I'm going to take this detour. I want you to go along with me. We won't be gone long, but we're going to come back to this idea of being there with the sisters at the grave of Lazarus. But if you go a little deeper into looking at the passages of Scripture that precede and come after you will see that the world is a very, very important part of John's gospel. As John tells these different stories, all of the different I am's that show up in the gospel of John, one of the themes of the gospel of John is the world. As a matter of fact, the world comes up about 56 different times in this uh, gospel that we look at. And even in the most famous passage of scripture out there, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved, what? The world. God so loved the world. And then you look at different ones, even John 3.17, right after John 3.16, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then in John chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus is speaking. He says, this is the bread of God that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's very concerned about the concept and the idea of the world. And then John chapter 9, verse 5, one that we've already talked about. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so as we look at Jesus declaring himself in equality with God, who always has been, declaring himself to be the bread of God that came down from heaven, we need to understand something. And I don't want you to miss this. And this is the second thing I don't want you to miss. Even when he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he himself would raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus wept. Now, (laughs) Back in the day, I used to go to different camps. When you're a youth pastor or early on in ministry, you go and you go to different camps all over. I've been to camps in lots of different states. I've participated in lots of different rules and traditions from these different camps. It's always just a ton of fun, an incredible thing uh, that uh, people enjoy for a time during summer. And uh, as a youth pastor, I got to see and experience it, occasionally preaching at a few of those. It's really interesting and tons of fun. I went to one that was actually up in Ohio. And in Ohio, at this particular campground, they had a rule. And they had this rule that you had to quote at least one scripture, one person had to quote at least one scripture before the line would open for dinner at night. And so as you can imagine, people were constantly like trying to memorize, you know, John 3.16 or some easy verse of scripture that they would remember. Occasionally there'd be like the teacher's pet, you know, that would have this great passage of scripture and everybody's like, what? What is that all about? I can't believe that came out. But then there would always be somebody who was way shy, 
wasn't exactly the Bible scholar. And every time they'd say, you've got to quote a passage of scripture before we can all start eating. Guess which one they would always quote? This one from this story from John chapter 11. I believe it's verse 35 where Jesus wept. That's it. It's the shortest verse in all of the Bible. And so they would open the line after Jesus wept. That's it, you know? And so it was kind of a sneaky thing to do, but it's funny. You kind of remember that in that way. Well, here's what I would like to share with you. I have shared this passage of scripture at different times. And when you look at it in context, it is incredibly powerful to see that Jesus wept. And here is why. Because I want you to know and to understand that even though Jesus was not in a hurry, he was doing those things so that many people, not just one or two or three, but literally millions of people could understand that he was the resurrection and the life. He was the one who stepped out of eternity and stepped into our world so that we might have power over death and sin and hell and all of the things that come along with separation from God. And so when he steps into our history from eternity where he was, he doesn't come in and say, I'm here, I'm incredible, you may worship me, you know, any of this stuff. He comes in in the most humble way possible. And Jesus wept, says so much about Jesus that you probably miss and that I probably miss. He knows he's literally just minutes away, maybe even less, from calling Lazarus out of that grave and bringing him into life once again. But he still weeps because he weeps for Mary and Martha. He weeps for those people that are crying because they've lost somebody that's important to them. They don't know yet what Jesus is about to do. He knows, but instead of blowing them off, he weeps tears alongside of them. And this is so powerful as we bring it back to the world. The concept of the world and being the savior of the world. He did not come to be the savior of the world alone. He did not come to be the concept of savior of the world. He came to the world, each individual part of the world that needed a savior that needed somebody that would understand where they have been and understand that they have not been perfect, that they have not lived the life they should have lived, that they've been through things that they couldn't help and some that they could, but they need a savior who loves them no matter where they've been. And he loves them not in the conceptual way, but in the way that when you cry, I cry. When we cry together, we're feeling that same thing. That is the Jesus that stepped out of eternity so that you and I might hear him say, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. And even when somebody dies, they will yet live. That is the Easter message for us to hear. That he is not the one who can explain away death. He is the one who conquers it. And I'm not here to talk about comparative religions or anything like that. But this day, I am proud to be called by the name of Jesus Christ. Because he is not the one who explains death. He is the one who came and conquered it. He is the one who does not have a tomb to go and visit. He is the one who overcame the tomb 
the death and the grave that I fear so much and so I no longer have to fear it because he is the one who turned it into a place of life. That is why we celebrate Easter. That's why Easter ain't canceled. That's why Easter is still going on. And so we celebrate this day and we don't miss that the world has been brought and sought in an individual way. In John chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, this is a beautiful passage of scripture. John chapter 11, verse 28 through 29 says something, and it is your word, it is my word. If we were dealing with a movie, this is our line, okay? Here is what it says in John chapter 11, verse 28 through 29. I believe we're gonna get there. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who was to come into the world. You're the one. You're the one that they've been talking about since all the way back in the Genesis times. You're the one who they've been promising before we even became a nation. You're the one who was coming from God so that we might be forgiven. You are the one. You're the Messiah who came to take away the sin of the world. You might not have everything figured out. You might not know how everything fits and fits together. You may not have all of the knowledge that you wish you had. But here is the question that I believe that Jesus asks all of us to respond to. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And Martha, who doesn't understand every piece and part of what's about to happen, doesn't know what the future holds, doesn't know why Jesus didn't show up when he, you know, she thought he should, she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the one who came from God and stepped into the world. Here's what I would tell you. If you're a person who doesn't know Jesus, he came for you, not for the world, but for your part of the world. He came to know you. He weeps when you weep. He loves you no matter where you've been or what you've done, what you've gone through. You are more than what you've been through. You are better than your worst moment. He is the one who sees what you are capable of and can bring you to a place of hope and forgiveness and cleanness in God's sight. He is the one. And that is the big idea that I wanna share with you today. Jesus alone is our hope both in this life and for the next. He is our hope. So what is Jesus saying? I'm gonna hit these very quickly and then we're gonna bring this to a, con a conclusion and a close. What is Jesus saying? The very first thing that Jesus is saying, he makes a very clear distinction between physical death and spiritual death. If you look at this and you see what Jesus is saying, well, he says, well, the one who believes in me will never die. And then even if he does die, he's, not gonna, he's still going to live. Well, what? Hold on. How is that possible? It's very clear that Jesus is speaking of a physical and a spiritual death. And for most of us, we don't really stop and think about it, but it's so vital and so important for us to understand that if we will die to self, that we will be given new spiritual life. 
If we accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we can leave behind those things that were in our past. We can be forgiven of those things and we can walk towards a brand new life that is powered not just by our own strength, but by the strength of being forgiven and the Holy Spirit of God leading our path. It is so important that we understand Jesus draws a pretty big distinction between spiritual and physical life and death. And he wants us to have most importantly, the spiritual life. And that's the second thing that I think Jesus is saying very quickly. And it is as the son of man, he calls himself the son of man. He was God and God in the flesh all at the same time. But he saw death differently than people who only see it from one perspective. You and I, we're angry at times when God doesn't show up because he doesn't fix the, the situations that we think are matters of life and death. And even sometimes they are literal life and death matters. You might've even been a person who lost somebody and you don't know why. Here's what I would say to you. I don't have answers. I just know the one who is the answer. And maybe he can reveal that and communicate that to you. Or maybe that's a journey that you need to walk alongside him before you ever have clarity on that. I can't tell. I don't want to tell you what your relationship with God is like or going to be. It's not fair and it's not right and it's definitely not my place. But here is what I would say. That there were a few different times where the question was, who do you think I am? That happens to be our message series title. Who do you think I am? And we've heard from Matthew chapter 16, a very famous passage where Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him and says, and you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. You know, you've heard that before. It's not the only declaration that Peter had about who he believed Jesus to be. Peter's declaration also comes in John chapter six, verse 66 through 69. And this is something that I wanna communicate and convey to you, especially if you are one of those who's still on the fence about where you think Jesus fits into your life. Here's what he said. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. In other words, Jesus had said some things that were hard to understand. Things didn't fall perfectly into place. And so because of that, some of the people that followed him stopped. They turned away. Maybe, maybe you can identify. But Jesus turns to the 12 disciples, the close-knit group. He turns to them. He says, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I don't know every answer about what lies on the other side of this veil that we see, where we see the physical world and yet we can't see the spiritual one. I don't have every answer. I believe the Bible shares some things that we need to know, but doesn't answer every single question for us. But here is what I have come to believe. I have come to believe that Jesus is our only hope. If we're gonna have hope in this world, 
It's not because things are good. I mean, the coronavirus has shown us that everything in our world can change that quickly. Am I right? I mean, everything in our world has changed. It did so in a span of about three days. But here is what I would tell you. You and I as Christians, or you as a seeker of Christ, I'm here to tell you that ultimately my faith and my hope is not in our government. It's not in things getting fixed. It's not in the check that's coming in the mail, hopefully soon. Nah, it's not in those places. It is in Jesus alone. And here's what I know. I know there are things that are gonna happen to me that will be difficult, but God is going to get me through. And even if he does not, in the way that I think he will, here's what I do know, that one day when this life ceases for me and I go on to that other side, I'm gonna be proclaiming words of the old hymns in Christ alone, I have put my trust in Christ alone. I've got nothing that brings me into God's presence except for Christ and Christ alone. He is my only hope. And that is what Easter is all about, that I can have hope in this world, but that I also have hope for the world that is yet to come. Here's how you apply this message. Here's how I apply this message. It's super simple today, it's super simple. I usually give you little things and ask you to do this, change that, change it around, whatever, do these different things. Today, it's just this. Have you accepted him? If not, today. Accept him today and, and text me, let me know. Put that on the, on the gap card. Do it anonymously if you're that embarrassed. But I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But I want to be praying for you. If you accept Jesus, if you don't have anywhere else to turn, Lord, where am I going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. If you know that that is your hope and you've never accepted him, today is your day. But if you have but you know that you are living in a way that is more you than him. Here is what I would suggest. Today is your day to surrender, to leave some of those things behind that you have kept that you don't need and put him at the very center and at the heart of your life. It's time to surrender more of yourself to him than ever before. This is how you apply this message. And this is the Easter message that will set you free. I am the resurrection and the life. You know, I see things in my mind in a movie sometimes. And I know that it's incredible to think about this story. And I know that my voice, even with the PA added, it's not all that it should be. I get that. I, I'm not like the big booming voice guy. But this is an amazing passage of scripture. If you haven't read the end, I'm here to tell you, it's almost like a movie script. As Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, do you believe this? She says, I believe that you're the one who is gonna come into this world. He says, come and show me where they've laid him. And Jesus weeps and he says, I told you before that if you believed, you would see amazing power from God. And then he says, take the stone away. They're like, Lord, no, 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 don't do that. His body has begun to decay. There's gonna be a bad odor. Like, don't upset us in this way. There's no more hope. And Jesus says, no, take the stone away. And they do. And Jesus in a loud voice, a shout, a, a, a yelling almost, he says, Lazarus, come out. 
and then I, in my mind, like there's this crescendo of emotion and music and they realize that he has called Lazarus from the dead back into the world of the living. It's amazing. This is the Jesus that has power over death and life. This is the Jesus that can change your life. He's changed mine. I'm not perfect, but he has changed my life. I encourage you to know this Jesus this day. I, I want to share a, a story as I end today about the reality of another life. I, I had an opportunity to serve um, as a hospice chaplain for uh, a group that is a Baptist group, is a great group called Buckner International. And I served and uh, had opportunities to be in rooms where people left this world and stepped into the next. I've had that opportunity many different times. I've even been with some of you when that's happened. I can't tell you fully exactly where this world ends and the next begins, but I will tell you that there is something more than just this physical world that we see. As you look at all that you have seen in your life, you already know that in your heart. I know you do. There's more to this life than just simply this physical that we see. I served a gentleman. He was a good man, a man who took his faith very, very seriously. He had three lovely women in his life, his wife and his two kids, both daughters. He had lost a son. And so as he in, neared the end of his life and as his life was very close to ending in hospice, we, we talk about someone actively dying. We, we were able to basically kind of predict it will happen between this day and this day because we'd seen it so often. And it's an interesting thing because we knew that this particular gentleman was what we called actively dying. It was just a matter of hours or days before he passed. None of his family wanted him to be alone. It was so interesting and amazing because every single one of us must cross from this world into the next alone with just ourselves. We can't bring someone else in for us. It's just us and our maker. They sat with him day after day, taking shifts where they would be together and then overlap and people would sleep, but one would remain in the room. And this man, strangely, in his mind, I believe that he wanted to die by himself so that they would not feel that pain. I think each person has a different idea of what it should be like. His was clearly that he did not want to die and leave them with some sort of problem or hurt that could not be washed away. It had been there four or five days that he had been left and never left alone. I was there late at night in the place that he was being cared for. And I walked out and his daughter that was there by herself walked out with me. I don't know if we were talking about funeral arrangements or how to support her mother the best way possible. She was out of the room for maybe five, maybe seven minutes at the very most. We gave each other a hug. I started walking out to my car. It was about 11 o'clock at night. She walked back into the room. 
She called me before I left the facility and she said, can you come back? My dad died while we were talking in the hallway. And I could not believe it. It was like just one more example how the spirit world influences this world. You may not see it, but I promise you it's there. I promise you it matters. And Jesus, who stepped out of that world into ours, is the one who gives us power over both. That's what Easter is all about. Don't miss it. He is the resurrection and the life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we celebrate and remember who you are and what you are. You are the resurrection and the life. And today, dear God, if there's one who is here online and finding that they have never accepted you and put you in as the center of their life, I pray that they would just simply say the words of Martha. I believe that you are the son of God who was to come in and save the world. And with that, Lord, I know that you will come in and change the path of their life. And I know, Lord, that there are people who have always believed in who you are, but have never brought you to the place where you are central and you are source for them. You've been a resource for them, but never the source of their life. May we place you in your rightful place today, this Easter. And may we accept you as our Lord and Savior. And dear God, thank you for your word that promises victory where all we could see in our own is death and loss. But instead, Lord, looking forward to that day when you will make all things new, we give all of our praise, all of our glory, and put all of our trust in you. You are our hope. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for your time and for your attention. Remember, if you've made a decision or made some sort of commitment to the Lord, I hope you'll text me, connect with me via the EHC Connect card, uh, Gap card, whatever it is. It's there on our website, ehctx.org. We'd love to stay connected with you and help you down that path as you begin to make that uh, decision one that changes the course of your life. Be here next week as we continue and, and kind of go from this step to the next step. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, and what does that mean? And what does that mean for our lives? I know it'll be a huge blessing to you. So I hope that you will be there. If I don't see you on Zoom on Wednesday night, I definitely hope that we'll see you back here uh, together with us around God's word. And we're gonna just share the way that we always end. We have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys. Stay safe and happy Easter.